Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, good morning, Calvary. So good to see you today. Thanks for being with us. I want to welcome those of you that are watching online, that are joining us in the chapel, maybe by way of television or the podcast. So glad that you're here. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 13 today. Psalm 13. Um, there are so many different kinds of music, different styles of music. Maybe you like country music. Maybe you like classical music, you might be into rap or hip hop, maybe you're just uh, into rock and roll, maybe oldies are your thing, maybe you go, I'm in church, I only listen to worship music, whatever it is, right? Have you ever heard of the blues? I had a season of time when I was in high school that I fancied myself a guitar player. It was kind of a hobby, a little bit of a passion, and then I met some real guitar players and realized I wasn't one, you know what I mean? <laughs> But I went through a season of time where I was listening a lot to, to some blues music and listening to blues guitarists because I was trying to, trying to learn and pick some things up. And if you've never listened to the blues, it, it's a powerful musical genre because it's just kind of all, all about, you know, the, the real life emotions that we face. You know, and it's, it's usually something like, you know, my girlfriend done left me and I lost my job too, you know, kind of thing. And then you say it over and over again. Like, and it just kind of repeats it, and it's there. Pastor Keith, you mentioned, I was just sitting there thinking, you mentioned the, the flood that happened down in the kids' area yesterday. And then, I mean, it, it's interesting, seven o'clock this morning, we had a sensor go bad in one of our uh, fire alarm things here in the church. So at seven o'clock this morning, the fire alarm went off. And I thought, I should write a blues song about this. <laughs> we had a flood yesterday, and the fire alarm went off too, right? You know, and then you just... Yeah, we had a flood yesterday, right? You know, and the fire alarm went off too. I'm so down right now, I just don't know what to do, right? You could just, you just get a little blues song going if you wanted to. There's something about the blues. Why do we love it? I think we love it because misery loves company. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I think we also love it because it's real life. Like there's something about when you hear those songs, sing those songs, you're expressing an emotion, and sometimes when you express that emotion, there's something, honestly, that's healing that happens in expressing that, true? Like, there's something powerful about it. We, we started a series of messages last, week's on, uh, last week on the book of Psalms. We're calling Songs of Summer, because the Psalms are a soundtrack for the seasons of your soul. Like, it's a song book. The book of song, Psalms were the songs that the Israelites sang, that the Jewish people sang in their synagogues, in the temple, they were community songs of worship and declaration, they were celebration, they were personal songs, intimate songs of what people were going through in their own lives. So there's something powerful about the book of Psalms because it's the songbook for God's people. And the Psalms are a soundtrack for the seasons of your soul. One of the things we talked about is that there's different types of Psalms, we, we call them genres, different kinds of Psalms. One of those are the Psalms of Lament, they're important to talk about because you, you have 150 psalms in the book of Psalms, a full third of them, so 50 or more, are what can be categorized as these psalms or songs of lament. Their primary function is to take a troubled situation and present it out there before the Lord and ask him for help. Kind of sounds like the blues, doesn't it? <laughs> the psalms of lament are the blues of the Bible. They're these songs that are sung from deep within the emotion 
putting those things out there before God and then asking him for his help. And some of you are saying, look, I, I came to church on a sunny Sunday in July. The last thing I want to talk about is the blues. Why are we talking about it? Well, because a full third of the Psalms are Psalms of lament. Like it's there over and over and over again. And the reality is if you've never sung the blues, you will. And the chances are you might even be right now. In fact, if the Psalms are an indication, it's probably a full third of us right now <laughs> who might be in a place where we're singing the blues. So what we're gonna do today is we're gonna look at just one of these Psalms. So Psalm 13, it's short, it's only six verses. And it gives us kind of in a very concise way, and, and many of the other Psalms go much longer. They're longer songs. We're gonna look at a short one that gives us the pattern that you see almost every time in these Psalms of lament. There's like four parts to each one of them. And the reason we're gonna look at them is because then when you're reading your Bible and you come across these Psalms, you'll recognize this same pattern that we're gonna see in these Psalms. Actually, if this prayer was good enough for David, it's probably good enough for me and you too. So these same four steps that we see in these Psalms of lament may be the very things that you use when you sing the blues. So let's look at one. Psalm 13, we read this. For the director of music, this is the heading or the title at the beginning. For the director of music, a Psalm of David. So here, let's just, let's just talk about this because this is good to remember. This Psalm was written by... David. So David, just kind of file that away. We'll come back to that. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. <clears throat> I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Amen. At some level, sometime, I'm sure we all have been able to understand why David wrote this psalm, those tough times that we've been in. And so today, we're gonna talk about how to sing the blues. When you're in those moments, based on the pattern that we see here in this, in this psalm, in, in the psalms of this book, what do you do when you're in those moments? How do you sing the blues? We're gonna look at four steps. So let's start with the first one. Here's number one. What do you do when you're in these moments? Number one, you talk to God about it. You, you take it right to him. Now, I know that sounds overly simplistic, but if we get right down to it, I think this is an, an important and a critical place for us to start. When you are in these moments, when you're down, when you're sorrowful, when you're frustrated, when you're angry, when you're in a moment of lament, what do you do? You start by talking to God about it. Here's what he did. Psalm, 1, or Psalm 13, verse 1, excuse me. He says, how long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? His first words, how long, Lord? Like he takes it right to God. Well, why is this called a lament? Because it's not called whining. And it's not called complaining. Do you, any of you know anybody who's a whiner and a complainer? Go ahead, show me a show of hands. Careful, they might be sitting next to you. Who knows somebody that's a whiner or a complainer? Anybody? How many of it's you? You're the one. <laughs> right? Our tendency so many times... When things are difficult is to just kind of go, oh, can't believe this. Can't believe I'm stuck in this place. 
And we just kind of whine and complain about it. We, we just, I don't know, honestly, sometimes it feels good just to rehearse the drama. Can I get an amen, right? Sometimes, I remember when I was a kid, I would go to my dad and uh, sometimes I'd say to him, dad, this happened to me or this wasn't fair, or, this teacher this or this kid that, or I'd tell him all the problems I'd had at school. And my dad, in all of his grace and love and compassion, two, he had two standard responses. One, I'd go, Dad, this happened to me. And he'd look at me and he'd go, oh, buddy, I think, I think we need to call Oprah. I bet she's going to want you on her show. <laughs> well, that's not kind. That's not, not, that's not helpful. The other, thing, the other thing he'd say to me, he'd go, sometimes he'd just go, well, if you have a problem with that teacher, let's go down there right now. Let's just get in the car and go to that school. Dad, that's not what I want to do. That's not what I wanted. But here's what he was teaching me. He was teaching me, if you're not gonna do something about it, don't just cry about it. Don't just whine about it. So a psalm of lament is not whining and it's not crying. It's taking it right to the person who can do something about it. A lament is a prayer. And it's a prayer when you say, God, I humbly and honestly bring to you a situation that only you can do something about because let's be honest, we're all gonna have times of sorrow. We're all gonna have these difficult moments. Try all you want, you're not gonna dodge the blues. At some point, they're going to come, and what do you do? Well, when that sorrow comes, you have a choice. You can either just sit in it, stay in it, or you can take it to God. And sorrow by itself, like if you just sit in it, it pushes us away from God. Because we, we don't see that he's the answer. We just stay there in our sorrow, in our mess. And so it pushes us away from God. But sorrow with lament, like when we bring that thing to God, when we make it a matter of prayer, when we recognize he's the one that can do something about it, sorrow with lament actually pulls us closer to him. Well, what's your other options? Well, one of your options in, in tough times is just silence. You just say, I'm not gonna do anything about it. And that just hardens your heart. The other thing you can do is just rehearse it over and over again. That just creates drama. And, and you can worry about it, but that just creates despair. But when you choose lament, when you take it to the Lord, you know what it actually does? It actually plants seeds, even in the worst of times, that can begin to grow hope in your life. Martin Luther, the great reformer, said it this way, and it's an interesting paradox in life, that hope despairs, that sometimes when we are trying to be hopeful, we find ourselves in a place of despair because we're hoping for an answer, but we don't have it yet. Anybody been there? And he says hope despairs, and yet despair hopes that in those moments of despair, we know that we can look forward because there's hope somewhere. Where do we find it? Well, we find it at the beginning. The first line of your blues song should be this, Lord, like, take it right to him and start there. When you do, what do you do? Well, here's, here's the second part. Number one, talk to God about it. Number two, tell him how you feel. The second thing, the second part of this idea of lament or how to sing the blues is this. You tell him how you feel. Did you notice? We'll, we'll reread it here in just a moment and watch for this. But did you notice that four times in those first two verses of this psalm, the psalmist, David, asks the same question. He says, how long, how long, how long, how long? Sounds like a blues song, doesn't it? If you were gonna title this song with two words, you would call it <laughs> how long, right? And it's a natural response, isn't it? When you're in a moment of anger, frustration, disappointment, despair, 
When you're wrestling with something, when you're in pain, one of the things that we do is we start to ask ourselves, how long am I gonna be here? Is this gonna, is this gonna end? When is this thing gonna break? Like I know from personal experience, one of the things that, that has happened to me when I've been in the blues is I start to say to myself, I don't think it's ever gonna change. I think I'm always gonna feel this way. I don't think this is ever gonna end. This is a natural response in these moments, and David has it here. He says, God, how long is it gonna be like this? Why is that risky? Well, the risky part is, as you're asking how long, if you don't get a good perspective from God, you start to get impatient. Anybody? And when you get impatient, what you do is you start to lose that hope. You start to lose that confidence. You start to lose that there might be something on the other side of this. Impatience is the enemy of peace. And if I want peace in my life, then asking God how long is actually a really good question. Because when I lament and I start this process, what it does is it creates a tool. It it starts a, a, a process in place that moves me towards peace in God. Not just complaining, but where I honestly and humbly take these things to God and let him know what I'm feeling. Let's just get this out there. This is a normal part of life. There will be things that come our way. As much as we want to think that it's always going to be bluebirds and butterflies, there will be things that come our way that we don't want to find. Lady in Augusta, Georgia, was going to bed not too long ago. And as she was getting ready to crawl into bed, she looked down and she saw a piece of fuzz on the floor. So she bent down to pick up that piece of fuzz. And when she did, it moved. Yeah. Then she realized there were other pieces of fuzz moving around her. They weren't fuzz. She yelled out to her husband, we have snakes. Baby snakes in her house. So they started looking. The story said he got one of those grabbers, you know, those, those poles with the on the end of them. Got one of those grabbers. Pulled 17, 17 baby snakes out from under their bed. And the mama. Yeah. Guess there was a field near their house that had gotten like cleared, like, like, like mowed it, plowed it. And when they did, the, the mom was looking for some place to go and deliver her babies and found that somehow in their house under their bed. Now that happened in Augusta, Georgia. You don't hear that many stories from Northwest Ohio like that, do you? Which proves what the Bible says. You will do better in Toledo. I mean, that's just, <laughs> right? But there's weird things that happen all the time, every place, your life, my life. And sometimes just picking up a piece of fuzz ends up being our worst nightmare. Anybody? (laughs) So when you're in those moments, what do you do? Well, you start by talking to God about it. And then you tell him how you feel. Watch what David does here because he doesn't hold any punches. Look, he knows this is God. So he asks these questions humbly. But that doesn't mean he's not honest. Look at this. Back to Psalm 13, verse 1. How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Like he just puts it out there. He says in those four questions, God, this is, this is how I feel. And there's a pattern there for us. It's interesting who he talks about. First, He shows us that when you're in these moments, when you're singing the blues, tell him how you feel about God. Like literally tell God how you feel about him. What's he say? Lord, how long are you gonna forget me? How long are you hiding your face from me? He says, Lord, I feel alone. 
I feel stuck in this spot. And to the best of my knowledge, you seem indifferent, God. You've hidden your face from me. It's like you're not even looking at me. God, that's how I feel. And then he says to tell him how you feel about you. Because he says, God, I'm wrestling with a lot here. Well, how's he say it? I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart. He says, I'm confused. I am struggling. I have anxiety. If you read that, there's hints of someone who's wrestling with depression there. And he's saying, God, I'm struggling in this place. So Lord, it seems like you don't care. And it seems like I can't get answers. And then he goes on to tell us that you should tell him how you feel about others. And he says, and Lord, I got this enemy who's coming after me. Is this enemy gonna triumph over me? You read the Psalms, especially the Psalms of Lament, and there's lots of language about enemies. There's lots of language about unfairness. There's lots of language about, God, this doesn't make sense, and why them and not me? Or why me and not them? (laughs) And he keeps asking these questions over and over again, and he shows us something. He shows us that it's okay to ask God questions. Humbly, honestly, But God wants us in those moments of lament to tell him where we're at. Why is that? I don't know why. I think for some of us, we we have this idea that we either need to stuff our emotions or we don't want to be too vulnerable with other believers and maybe even not with God because we don't know how that's going to go. And this, this psalm tells us it's okay to ask God questions because isn't he the one that can fix it? I remember years ago, years ago, and I'll speak vaguely because I don't have time to tell the whole story, but there were these people outside of Calvary, outside of this church, who thought that there was something they didn't like about what's happening in this church and thought they needed to do something about it. Like, it's just, it's a long story, it's weird. But they didn't bother to ask anybody in the church about it, they just did something about it and tried to fix something that wasn't theirs to do with and they had the story all wrong to begin with. So all this is going on but they never went to anybody in the church or in this particular instance, it was, it was t- to me, the one that could actually do something about it. They never even bothered to do that and I didn't find out about it until years later. So then this guy who's a friend of mine starts telling me about this whole situation and I said, wait a minute, I never knew that this happened. I never knew that that went down like that. I never knew you thought that. Can I tell you? None of that was even true. <laughs> like you had the story all wrong and I was upset because here these guys think this about this church and never bothered to ask the guy who actually could do something about it if he could do something about it. Instead, they tried to do something about it. It wasn't theirs to do anything about, right? So can you imagine why I was ticked? Because if they had just asked, I could have set the whole thing straight. I could have helped them understand what was going on. I could have walked them through it. Instead, they tried to fix it on their own, which is exactly what I do with God. Anybody else? Like he's the only one who can actually come in and do something about these situations in our lives so many times. And yet we hold on to it. We hang on to it. When he says, tell me how you feel. Let let me know what questions you're wrestling with. It's okay to ask God these questions, but we have this stigma. Culturally, we we have a stigma about depression. We have a stigma about mental illness. When people wrestle with their emotions, we have a tendency to think, well, maybe they're weak. Or in the church, we, we, we can be quick to say, well, maybe it's just sin. Or maybe, maybe there's something wrong with them. And can I tell you that we carry that into our relationship with God sometimes as well. 
We don't wanna burden him or we don't want to, in, in all these things, and can I just be honest with you? God does not wanna fake you. He wants you. In fact, he already knows the whole deal anyways, doesn't he? And so we need to wrestle with some of these things. Okay, pop quiz, you ready? Everybody's got an answer. Psalm 13, who wrote it? Good work, that was great. (laughs) David wrote this. David the shepherd boy. When we read the Psalms and when we piece together the, the pieces of David's history that we see, when he was a shepherd boy, he developed this intimate relationship with God. He was a musician who wrote so many of the Psalms and knew God in such a special way. David, the warrior, remember David killed Goliath? Remember that story? And then he goes on to be a great military leader in Israel to the point that they sang songs about David where they said that Saul had slain his thousands, David the tens of thousands. He becomes the king, probably the greatest king Israel maybe ever had. And he becomes this incredible leader, psalmist, warrior, hero, who says to God, I can't get past this struggle in my life. He says, God, I'm wrestling day and night. God, I wonder if there's any hope. Look, even the hero, the great King David wrestled with these things. If he wrestled with these things, don't you think you and I might too? There are seasons when we all need to lament. When we all need to be willing with God to say, God, this is where I'm at. But don't just whine, don't just cry, don't just complain about it. The pattern we have here, because we all need to lament, is to come to God and say, God, here's where I'm at. Here's how I feel. And then the third thing we see in this psalm is this. Number three, if you're singing the blues, here's the third step. Ask him for help. Number three, ask him for help. What's interesting is you can almost connect a straight line to all the questions David asks in verse one and two, to then his prayer requests, the things he asks God for in verses three and four. Watch what he says. Verse three, he says, look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. David just very clearly shows us how we can ask God for help even in these moments when we're singing the blues. And he gives us some very specific things that we can see in this pattern. One, ask him to give you his presence. Ask him to give you his presence in your life. What do you mean? Remember what he said? He said, Lord, how how long will you hide your face from me? What's that mean? Well, when somebody hides their face, it means you're you're not making a connection, are you? There's no eye contact in that moment. You, you don't sense their, their presence or their pleasure or whatever. But there's something powerful about eye contact, isn't there? When, when you lock eyes with somebody, is that creeping you out? Because <laughs> it's creeping me out just a little bit, yeah, yeah. When you lock eyes with somebody, there's this connection that happens, right? And do you know when it, you, you also know when it's not real sometimes, right? Have you ever had a conversation with somebody or maybe you've been guilty of this, like where you lock eyes with somebody and you're having that conversation? Yeah, yeah, and they start like looking over your shoulder and they're trying to see like, like well, I don't need to connect with them or would I rather talk with them? Or sometimes you're like, hey, rescue me from this guy, right? <laughs> do you know? There's those things that are happening. And David's like, God, you know what I need? I need, I need a little eye contact here. I need to know your presence I need to know that I can just kind of lock in God and know that you're there. You ask God for his presence, and then David goes on because he says, not only, Lord, I need, I need to know that you're with me, and he says, and I also need 
answers. Look on me and answer, Lord, he says. You can ask him to answer your wrestlings. He says, Lord, I'm wrestling with my thoughts, so I need you to answer me. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? Where you say, God, there's, there's some confusion. <laughs> there's a decision. There's things I'm wrestling with. And Lord, I'm asking you to answer me. And when I pray that way, I want data, right? I want information. I want an email from God outlining the seven steps I need to take. Can I get an amen? Right, that's what I want in those moments. And the reality is that sometimes God does that. I really do believe that the Holy Spirit gives us the gift of discernment that we read about. You can see when you look at the life of Jesus, how, how he modeled the gifts of the Holy Spirit in his life, including a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom or discernment that comes in those moments. But many times when I have the blues and I'm wrestling with my thoughts and I ask God for an answer, it's not an email filled with data. The answer that he brings is his peace. It doesn't mean that the situation changes it doesn't mean that there's not still that circumstance. But in it, he helps me to sense his peace and maybe know where I can stop wrestling. Because sometimes what I need from God is just a little heads up that what you're wrestling with is actually not your battle to fight. What you're wrestling with is not really where I want your mind to be. That what you're wrestling with, you'll never resolve what you really need from me is peace that will come when you put your trust in me. Uh, let me show you another psalm that, that demonstrates this, Psalm 131. Here's the heading or the title, A Song of Ascents. It's a, oh, look at this, it's written by David. <laughs> so the same guy had these same thoughts. He says, my heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters, or things too wonderful for me. Go back and read that again. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. That's hard for me. It's hard for me at times to say, God, I'm not gonna be able to understand this. It's too wonderful. It's too big. God, I've been wrestling with this. And maybe I need to just be satisfied to say, Lord, would you give me your peace in the midst of this wrestling? What do you do? Watch what he says next. He says, but I have calmed and quieted myself. I'm like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I'm content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. So David, who knows what it's like to wrestle with his thoughts, says there's times when I put my hope in the Lord. And what's he mean like a weaned child, I'm content? He says that like a child who's not looking for anything from their loving parent, I'm content to just be in your presence because that's where I know I'll find hope. I don't have to have all the answers. Some things are too wonderful for me. Instead, Lord, I just ask you to give me your peace in this. How's he do it? Well, sometimes you ask him to bring light to your darkness. Sometimes you need to ask him to bring light to your darkness. How does he say this? He says, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. That sounds pretty dramatic, doesn't it? <laughs> give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. What's he talking about? Is he talking about like real death? Has he got an illness? Is he talking about depression here? Is, is he talking about actual physical death or is he looking at something figurative in his life? Is it an emotional kind of death that he's talking about? We don't know. And guess what? We don't have to know. 
because it's general enough that whenever you feel those moments like darkness has overtaken it, it's a good thing to pray and say, God, would you bring me your light? Like, and some of that is, is literally you being willing and lament to release it to him and know that you don't understand it in your darkness, but he'll make sense of it in the light. You ever, you ever had those times where you've got something that's kind of just heavy on your mind or something that you know you should do or something that you're trying to figure out and the, the more the night goes on, the heavier it gets in your mind and your heart and you know that you're not in a good state to deal with that thing right now and you say to yourself, you know what, I'll be better off if I go to bed and readdress it in the morning. Anybody ever been there? Like it'll make more sense in the morning. There's times I'm just like, I'm too tired, I'm too overwhelmed, I just can't do this right now. I'm gonna, it will look different in the daylight. Anybody? <laughs> and there's sometimes when I just gotta go, Lord, I need you to bring light to this darkness. Lord, I don't understand what's going on, but I trust you, and so I put this in your hands, and I ask you to help me figure this out in the daylight. What's the last thing he prays? He says, God, would you help me with my enemy? He talks about this whole idea of not letting his enemy overtake him or, or all this. What's that all about? Well, he's saying, God, I'm, I'm asking you to defend me. So it's okay for you to ask God to defend you in these moments. To so say, God, I'm in a situation that I can't do this by myself, so you defend me. God, I'm in a situation where I'm not sure how this is gonna affect my reputation, so you defend me. God, I'm in a situation where I'm not sure how this is gonna affect your reputation, so you defend me. Lord, for the sake of your name, you step in here. Can I tell you that if you're willing to pray these prayers, it, it puts you pretty vulnerable out there. Like, like it, it gives the whole thing out there where you're willing to say, God, I need your help. I need your presence. I need your answers. I need you to defend me. I need you to shine some light on this thing. And one of the reasons why we often aren't that honest with God is because when we are, it also makes us very vulnerable. It puts it all out there. Right, it puts the, puts the whole thing out there. God, these are my emotions. This is where I'm at. I'm not just telling you where I feel, but God, I'm asking you for help. But there's something powerful that happens when we're willing to expose those things. We're willing to sing the blues. There's a guy who lives up in Michigan who just recently was doing some work in his backyard. And he had to kind of redo the steps on the back of his house, so he had pulled them off. And when he, when he did, he was doing some work around the, the base of the house, and he saw like a, a black round thing sticking up out of the dirt so he went over and kind of dug around it and he pulled out a bowling ball it was buried buried in the ground he was like well, that's weird and he started digging some more and he found another one started digging some more he found another one and at the last count he has found 160 bowling balls in his backyard and when he put it out there on social media he started getting messages from people who used to work at a brunswick bowling ball factory that was in muskegon michigan and they were telling him that the defective bowling balls, that they would then take those things and they would use them because they didn't have any use anymore. The employees would take them and use them to like fill in spaces like sand or gravel in those spots. And so he had all these things buried in his backyard. Isn't that crazy? It's nuts. I could tell you more details, but I'll spare you. Did you see what I did there? Yeah, 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 yeah. I've got more, but I'll strike it. So here we go. <laughs> but what's buried in your life that a little lament would be a good thing, that would uncover, that would put in a place where God could actually address it. So in those moments when you're singing the blues, and there's some things that need to be worked out between you and God, 
You start by talking to God and you tell him how you feel and then you ask him for help and there's this crazy progression. You'll see it in Psalm 13, but you'll see it in the other Psalms of Lament as well. You'll watch what happens because he addresses God, tells him how he feels, asks him for help and then the pattern over and over again, when you get to the end of it, number four, you trust in him. You put your trust in God. There's this switch that happens. Watch what happens. Because remember, he started with how long, how long, how long, how long? Verse five of Psalm 13. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. I don't think David just took biblical and Christian-y kind of words and just slapped them on the end of this Psalm to make it fit. There was something that happened in his heart when he sang the blues that opened up for God to be able to do a work that began in him when we trust in him. What do we trust in? Well, you trust in his character. You trust in who he is. He says, Lord, I trust in your unfailing love, in your loyalty, in your commitment, in your presence. God, I might not feel it right now, but I know who you are, and I know that you're good. So even in the midst of this, God, I start by trusting in your unfailing love. And he says, I trust in his salvation that I know what he has done for me and I know what he'll do. I know that somehow, even in the midst of this bluesy situation, he is working something out in my life. And do you see there's a tone that's starting to change in this singer's heart? Like as he's putting it out there, as he's trusting in God, he went from how long are you gone to I rejoice in your salvation. Because God, we uncovered this. God, we worked through this. God, I was honest with you. And you'll see this pattern in the Psalms of Lament. And you'll feel this in your own life at times. And I really do believe that this is a pattern that you and I can use from Scripture and come to God and say, God, I trust you. And we trust in him because of his past faithfulness. Like we trust in him because of his past faithfulness. That we know that he's been faithful in the past and he'll be faithful in the future. Has God ever been faithful to anybody in this room? Like, and you've seen it. So if he was in the past, don't you think he will be tomorrow? He's a God who is faithful and we can trust in him. Now watch this. If you put your trust in him because of who he is and because of what he's done and because of what he will do, it gives you a perspective than bigger what just you're singing the blues about. Helps you to see there's more going on than just this sorrowful moment. That there is something bigger out there that this battle is not the whole war. I was just doing some reading about the Revolutionary War um, back in the, you know, 1776 and the history of our nation and I was doing some reading about this and one of the things that just kind of struck me and I knew this but it struck me all over again, we lost a lot of battles. Do you know that? <laughs> like we weren't doing so well for a good portion of that war. Like there were some pretty pitiful things that happened in the process of that when we lost New York, these, these kind of key strategic errors, these, these bungles and things that happen all along the way. And you can read this and go, man, it's gotta be hopeless for these folks. <laughs> like, how's this gonna work out? You know what I'm thankful for? That there were leaders in that moment that said, we may have lost this battle, but we didn't lose the war. Like, we may be struggling right now, but that doesn't mean this thing's over. You might have bad days, you might have challenges, you might have struggles, you might have these things that come your way, but you serve a God who was faithful in the past, he'll be faithful in the future, and you can rejoice in his salvation to know that you can trust him even where you are right now. I'm not saying you're not in the midst of a battle. You might be in a very real battle, but God wants you to know that's not the whole war, that he's with you in this. So how does it end? The psalmist tells us that we can trust in him today. We don't have to wait for tomorrow. We don't have to wait till all those questions get answered. We don't have to wait until we see all the things we asked for. 
We can trust in him today. He says, I will sing your praise right now. I'll do it in the midst of this because there's something powerful when we do. There is something powerful that happens in our hearts when we sing the blues. Now look, for a moment, I don't wanna minimize some of the very real struggles and challenges that many of us have. Moments of depression, challenges with mental illness, and look, if you, if you need to talk to a doctor, you need to talk to a professional, do something like that, I'm encouraging you, do that. Please take those steps. But remember that God gave us this tool to talk to him, that in our prayer and these moments of lament, we can come and say, God, I got questions for you. I'm telling you how I feel. I'm asking you for help. And yet, Lord, I know you're the only one. So I put my trust in you. And if you find yourself in that place, Know that you're in good company. Okay, pop quiz, you ready? Who wrote Psalm 13? Nice work. David actually wrote, we looked at this last week, 73 of the Psalms, at least. We know he wrote at least 73, maybe more that his name's not attributed to. 14 of them, he actually told us where he was and what was happening. He, he gave us a description of the story in the larger scope of scripture. Let me share a couple of them with you. Psalm three was when David had to run away from and then fight his own son Absalom. Psalm seven had to do with when he was being persecuted by King Saul. If you don't know that story, read first, second Samuel, it's, it's a mess. Psalm 18 is when he's running away from enemies of Saul or Saul's enemy, Saul and his enemies are coming after him. Psalm 34 is when David has to pretend that he's insane because he's running away from Saul. <laughs> Psalm 51 is when David has to repent of his adultery. Psalm 52 is when he's running because somebody narked on him to Saul. <laughs> Same thing in 54. 56, he gets seized by the enemy. Psalm 57, he's hiding from Saul in a cave. Psalm 59, there's more people coming after David to kill him. Psalm 63, David's stuck in the desert. And Psalm 142, David's hiding in a cave from Saul. Over and over again, David learned how to sing the blues. And can I tell you what happened? Over and over again, God delivered him. Over and over again, God was with him. And he's not hiding the reality of where we find ourselves in this place. He's saying, when you're in this place, talk to God about it. Sing a song of lament. Come to him and say, God, in this place right now, this is how I feel. And man, do I need help from you. Because you're the only one. And so I put my trust in you. In just a moment, the worship team is gonna come and we're gonna take David's advice. We're gonna sing a song of praise. We're gonna go back to that song we sang a few moments ago that says, Lord, there's nothing better than you. But before we get there, can I ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment? In this room, watching on a screen somewhere, maybe you're listening to this in your car. And I'm just gonna be super honest that for some of us, this was just, this was good information. Because you're in a pretty good place this summer. But odds are there'll come a time when you'll need to know how to sing the blues. But I've been doing this long enough to be able to recognize looks on people's faces. I know boredom real well. Because I can see it when I'm preaching. <laughs> I also know struggle. I also know when people have that look on their face and they're saying, God, I'm in this spot right now. 
God, I need your help in this place. And I know it's not everybody, but I'm sure it's somebody. If a third of the Psalms have to do with lament, I would guess at least a third of us in this room need to sing them right now. And you're in a moment right now where the best thing you could do before you turn off this message or walk out of this room, before you step out of the chapel or tune out this preacher, the best thing you could do is to say, God, I need your help right now. Because God, this is how I feel. God, I'm so angry. Or God, I'm so tired. Or God, I'm so scared. Or God, I'm so confused. But Lord, I know that you're the one who can answer my wrestling. And you're the one in whose salvation I rejoice. And so in this moment, I sing your praise. And I trust in you. Father, in this moment, we put our trust in you. Lord, for the one who's singing the blues, for the one who's in a moment they never dreamed or in a situation they're not sure what to do, would you right now in this moment let them sense your presence, sense that you're with them, that your hand is on them? God, I ask that you'd make eye contact with them. Give them a sense of who you are and then you can take desperate situations and you can make something beautiful out of them. You're, you're the one who can turn graves into gardens. Lord, there's no one, there is nothing better than you. And so in this moment, as we sing this song of praise, we don't just do it because it's the right thing to do in church. We do it, Lord, because we need you. We lift our prayer to you. We sing this song to you and we give you praise in Jesus' name, amen. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing Nothing is better than you. Would you sing it with us? And oh, there's nothing that's better than you. Oh, there's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing, and nothing is better than you.
thank you that even this psalm demonstrates this process. Lord, how we sing these songs to you, you restore joy and hope in our lives. Lord, I pray that we would walk out of here today rejoicing in that hope that only you can bring, putting our focus on you, Lord, for the one that the enemy is gonna try to steal that hope, steal that joy. As they go through this day, through this week, Lord, would you secure in them just a promise of your presence, of your help, of your peace. Lord, would you strengthen us? Lord, we thank you for your word that speaks right where we are. Father, as we go from here, we ask that you'd go with us. Would you send us out with your special favor and with your wonderful peace? We ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.